Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. We've been preaching through the book of Romans and uh, was a little concerned about 9 and 11 we've, that we've gotten through. And I've been so looking forward to chapter 12. What an exciting chapter chapter 12 is. And, and God's timing is just amazing how we find ourselves just in these verses this morning, just what we need. Um, so we are scheduled to have a, some services uh, with Brother Sonny uh, here in, in a few weeks. <clears throat> um, I've talked to Brother Sonny about this. I don't feel that we need a revival. Um, you say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, this is how I've always heard it. And, you know, revivals used to be really big in church. How many of you know that revivals are just going out of style? And nobody has, it used to be everybody had revivals. You'd have sometimes two, three, four a, a, a year when I was a kid. And now almost no churches have them. And, but here's what was always kind of promoted when we were having a revival. I remember this so much, uh, uh, all down through the years, not, and in every church you went to, this is what was promoted. The revival is to revive us and get us back on fire for God. Right? That's what revival's for. It's to, it's to fan the flames and get us all fired back up for Jesus. And kind of what it's saying is, since the last revival a few months ago, we've kind of fizzled out. Now we need something to put us back in the fire again, right? Um, I don't feel that's where we're at at Sandhill. I don't feel that's where we're at at all. Um, I, don't, I don't feel that we're a bunch of dead people who need brought back to life. I feel like we're a bunch of people who are, are, are moving for the Lord, and this revival is just a, a tool to, to push us farther, right? That's what I feel. And so I've talked to Brother Sonny about this, so uh, whatever you want to call it, I don't think it's going to be a revival. I am challenging that it will be a going on farther in a farther, deeper level than we are right now. And so we have, my math is right, we have three Sundays after today uh, until... Palm Sunday. Then we'll, of course, go through the Easter season. After the Easter season, Brother Sunday's going to be here. So um, I had planned on, I actually planned on some different things, uh, preparing us for those uh, services. And now we find ourselves in Romans chapter 12. And I, I'm not for sure what I'm going to do. I'm not sure where the Lord's going to lead me, but I kind of had a whole different direction on how to prepare us for the, for the revival. But I'll be real honest. If I just preach through the 12th chapter of, uh, of Romans between now and then, I think we'll get where we need to be uh, uh, prepared to move forward for Brother Sunday. So all of that being said, uh, again, the verses 1-2 are very, very popular. Maybe many of you can quote them. You've probably heard them preached over and over and over again. But this morning, I would like to take a different look, a different uh, approach to uh, Romans uh, 12-1-2. So... Most of the time, this is kind of how you hear this preached. It, it says, well, let's, let's just look at the verses. Let's take a look closer. What Paul is really saying is, I beseech you, therefore, what he's saying is everything we've learned for, we had eight chapters learning about justification and that we're saved from our sins and, and that we are delivered by the blood of Jesus and all, and all the things that we've learned. He said, because of that, I, I, I'm encouraging you. I'm begging you. Because of that, I'm begging you now to present your bodies to the Lord. 
And then he uses a strange word picture. It, it really makes no sense. It's an illustration. You know, preachers use illustrations, but if you don't get the illustration, <laughs> it kind of doesn't help, right? And, and this is like a strange illustration. A living sacrifice. Now, everybody that would have heard Paul and probably everybody that in, in today's society understands what a sacrifice is. What is a sacrifice? Dead. It's dead, right? You, you don't bring a lamb in and say, I'm going to sacrifice it and then I'm going to take it back home and let it play, right? It's dead. So, but Paul said a living sacrifice. That, that just simply doesn't make sense, but it is, it is, it is going, we're going to see that it is completely accurate. We are to be a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable, uh, which is our reasonable service. There's nothing out of the way about this, nothing exceptional. We're just doing what we should be. And then it speaks about not being conformed to the world, but having our minds transformed uh, into the image of God. And if we do all that, then we'll, we'll understand what His will is. We'll know what his acceptable and perfect will of God is. And then, not as an add-on, not as a, but as part of what he's saying, he said, make sure you don't think more of yourself than what you ought to think. Right? Now, what I would like to challenge us with this morning is this. And hold on to this thought, and I will try to explain it as we go. I would like to try to present to you that this is this is not as much something we do as something we accept. And I, I will try to make that clear to you as we go, uh, because I, I think that all of the messages I've ever heard on this text are telling us that we have to do something. We have we have to do something to to make these verses happen. But I'm going to present to you that I think we need to accept something and, and then these verses will work. So <clears throat> I have preached for many, many years. Uh, you guys have heard me over and over and over and over again, because I think the Bible teaches that there are two faiths. Okay, so we're going to start with two faiths, and but but the title of the message is three faiths because I now believe that there are three faiths in the Bible. But it seems real clear to me, it seems crystal clear as you read the Bible that there are two faiths that we always see. We we we, we will look at a few references to this now, but there's over and over and over there are. Uh, um, there are two different faiths presented in the Bible. So the first one we want to look at is shallow faith. I, I, I automatically we go to the parable of the sower and all the seeds that he threw out there. And some of those, you know what it says? Some of those seeds, it said they believed. But they never brought fruit, fruit and, and, then, and then they went away. So there's a faith, but it's not saving faith. Uh, James said, you believe in God, good for you. So does the devil, <laughs> right? So does the devil. And so over and over and over through the parables, all throughout the scriptures, we see a faith uh, that does not save. So it may, may confuse you just a little bit, but there is a faith that people, and that's where we have people coming to the altar and saying they got saved and they say they believe in Jesus and then they don't live the life and then they go back out into the world and we say, boy, you know, what happened? They had a faith, but it wasn't real faith. And, and I hope you guys, I appreciate a lot of time. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this morning. Just, just a couple of passages, and uh, Josh is probably going to have them on the screen for you, but uh, very familiar scriptures again. Matthew chapter 7 and verses 21 through 23. Perfect illustration of false faith, of, of shallow faith. 
Matthew 7 and 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These are church people. These are religious people. These are people who have faith. These are people who go to church. These are people who do all the Christian things. And Jesus said, I never knew you. You have faith, but it's not saving faith. I hope you guys are with me. Again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I appreciate it before. I hope you understand it. Let's look quickly at 13 and 14, same chapter, uh, 7 and 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Not what the message is about this morning, but I believe all across our land, we have a multitude of people who have shallow faith. And I fear when the Lord returns, they won't be going with him. Amen? It's a faith that doesn't save. It's a, it's a belief in Jesus. It's, a, it's a, a belief that sin still reigns in your life. It's a belief that you don't want to go to hell, uh, but I don't want to quit sinning. It, it, it's, a, 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 it's a faith that comes and goes. One day I want to go to church, next time I don't. One day I want to not do things I shouldn't, one day I do. I'm back and forth, back and forth. I'm in search, I'm saved, I'm lost. I'm, I, all this. That is a shell faith. That is, that is in the Bible, but that will not get you to heaven. And, and I, I hope you got that. If you didn't, uh, um, we'll just have to come back to it another time. But I want to go on to saving faith. So there is a faith you can believe, maybe in your head and not in your heart, and still be lost. Okay, but there is a saving faith, and we've spent a lot of time. Book of Romans, we've taught, spent a lot of time talking about saving faith. Aren't you thankful to have saving? Anybody here got saving faith? Aren't you glad to have saving faith? This is the real thing. This is not the fake thing that won't take you to heaven. This is the real thing. And when you have saving faith, you believe, you understand, you comprehend justification. Just as if I had never sinned. My sins are gone. The blood of Jesus covers me. I'm going to heaven. I am righteous in the sight of God. Uh, praise God. My sins are gone. That's saving faith. That's the faith it will take to get us to heaven. Uh, um, <clears throat> Romans 5, 1, uh, uh, therefore being justified by faith, um, we have peace with God, right? Did I get that right? I didn't, did you, did you have, I didn't, I didn't give you that one? Okay, well, Romans 5, 1, uh, uh, being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God. We're justified by faith. And when you understand that my sins are gone because I am, have believed in Jesus, uh, then in Romans 8, 1, it says, uh, um, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So, so saving faith is the understanding my sins are gone. And this, this faith will get you to heaven. And this faith 
can just continually grow. So you come and you get saved, and you know anybody who gets saved, I don't care who you are, anybody who comes and gets saved, you can have the faith enough to get to heaven, but there's a whole lot more faith to be added, right? There, 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 in other words, it doesn't stop there, it just continues to grow. That's the beginning point, so it deepens, it grows. Uh, th- there's, this faith gives assurance. Um, uh, I don't have time to preach on that, but, but I believe we ought to understand we're going to heaven. I'm saved and I'm, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to make it to heaven. This faith is salvation. This faith gives new life. So if you're following, again, I've preached this many times, there are two faiths in the Bible. There is a faith that I believe and it's not in your heart and you don't understand and you don't get it right and that faith does not take you to heaven. There is a genuine saving faith that you genuinely understand that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that his blood covers your, uh, covers your sins, that your sins are gone, you're justified, and you will go to heaven. But I'd like to look at a third faith um, and probably haven't really preached about this a lot. And, and in, in all honesty and transparency, haven't really understood this uh, a, a lot. But surrendering faith. <clears throat> As I've already said, back to Romans chapter 1 <clears throat> or chapter 12, verse 1, this isn't something you do as much as something you accept. If we understand what the Bible is saying, literally, this is this is not a parable. This is not a uh, um, this is not a uh, allegory. This is literal. The Bible says you're dead. You're dead. And so it, you say, why are you saying it's not something we do? It's something we accept. Because if we all accept that we're dead, <laughs> that changes everything. See, it's, and so we go back to the verse and it says, you know, to present your body as a living sacrifice. Again, that, that, that doesn't make sense because sacrifices are dead. It says holy and acceptable unto God. And, and you say, well, Paul is saying, I beseech you to do this. And, and so what do we have to do? Well, that's the question. Well, how do you do this? How do you present yourself? So, so I've heard it preached this way many times. You know, uh, sacrifices don't have rights, and they, and they, you know, you just got to give yourself to the Lord and surrender all to Him, and and, and all of these things we, we hear preached. Uh, but here's my argument this morning. Uh, that's not what Paul's getting at. My argument this morning is he's telling you to understand you're dead. You're dead. Okay. I I know that a lot. Uh, now, is this a coincidence? And and. Me and Josh do not discuss this at all. But the things we're learning on Wednesday night, which came from somebody that doesn't even go to this church, and the things that Josh is teaching in Sunday school, and the things that, and that I'm just preaching the next verses that are coming along, and all of these things are lining us up to take us in a, in a direction. And God is doing something in the Sand Hill Church, and God, I, I believe God is going to take us to a new level, moving on uh, for these, uh, not just for the services that are coming, but for what God has for us. So this is a, this is something we need to get a hold of. But Paul is clearly teaching here, uh, and again, I believe this is very literal. We're dead. You know, the book of Ephesians, I believe it's chapter 1, it said you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That means that before you got saved, you were dead. And there was nothing you could do to be saved. So Jesus had to do it for you. Did you get that? So you were dead. And so dead people don't save themselves. 
Dead people don't uh, uh, clean themselves up. Dead people don't do good things. Dead people don't do anything. But Jesus uh, did something for us. Amen. Jesus paid it all. When I was dead, he died for me and made me alive again. Amen. And so we were dead at once. Well, now we are born again. And you guys have to understand, you know, we go back to the sixth chapter of Romans and, and you know, I am crucified or, or uh, we crucified the old man and, and, and all the all the different um, uh, pictures that Paul gives us of it. But, but what the Bible is really trying to get across to us. Listen, guys, if you're saved, you're dead. OK. Wednesday night, if you were here, he talked about, he said, uh, you know, he, he could remember the things that he did, uh, the, the, the beating the boy up and the going to parties and, and being with girls and, and all things, did all those things. And he said he got to feeling really low. He's supposed to go preach. He got to think about all the sin he had done. And then God spoke to him and said, listen, that guy's dead. That guy's dead. Right? Listen, Gary died. He had to die because he was no good. You, if you were a Christian, you have died. And, and, and I think that's a real, really a different way of looking at it when we understand it. And you say, preacher, we've heard this before, but have we really, have we really grasped the, 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 uh, the seriousness, the significance of, uh, of that text? We, uh, Galatians 2.20, <clears throat> again, very familiar verse. We all, we all hear it all the time. It's brought up constantly. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I am crucified with Christ. Uh, uh, therefore I no longer live. It is Christ that liveth within me. Right? It's, it's, I died. I'm no longer living. Whatever I'm doing, it's Christ living in me. Now I'm going to stop right here in the message before I go any farther. I want to ask you guys. We, we've been learning a lot around here. A lot, of, a lot of things are happening in this church. A lot of things that we've been learning. But do you guys really understand that you died and that Jesus lives inside of you now and everything you do has to be the the spirit doing it through you because you're dead see if you grasp that it really changes everything It, it changes everything because i'm dead and what you see is the spirit using my dead body to do what he wants done and that's a real, that's a real different way of looking at it. And, and so, <clears throat> if I am trying to get, uh, um, if I am trying to get the dead Gary to do good things, how's that going to work out? I'm trying to encourage uh, that bad fleshly Gary to do good things. I'm trying to discourage him from doing bad things. I'm trying to get out and do, get him to do good spiritual things. But he's dead. He's not capable of doing good. You know, Josh has got you guys get that memorized. We can do nothing, which is clearly what the Bible says. And we've got that down pat saying the saying. But do you really understand? Dead people don't do anything. They can't. 
We were here Wednesday night, and I, I think some of you were kind of taken back by the by the the, the lesson Wednesday night. I got a text uh, after that, and it said, and, and the and the person who texted me said this. They said, "I'm really, I'm having a hard time adjusting to. I'm not the one who's supposed to be doing good things." Is that is that an adjustment? All of our lives, don't do this, don't do that. You have to do this, you have to do that. And, and they said it's hard to just say, I'm not the one doing it. It's the Lord. It changes everything, people. That, that, that changes everything whenever I stop trying to be good, right? And, and it speaks about being conformed to this world. We've heard so many messages about not being conformed to this world. What do we always hear the messages? Don't go to the bad places. Don't go to the worldly things. Don't do worldly things. Don't be involved in this. Don't be involved in that. And obviously, it's all what we're doing. It's, it's, it's us being uh, in control of, of separating ourselves. But you know what really is more accurate is that I died to all of that. I no longer, I, there, I no longer am alive to that. I'm dead. The world doesn't have a hold on me. I'm transformed to think like Jesus. And that really changes everything. So we hear this preached that a living sacrifice does not have rights. Is that true? Is, is that true? This time change worse God us. You guys get that same look on your face. <laughs> we just have to do some jumping jacks. A living sacrifice doesn't have any rights. So it's preached like this. You don't have a right to what you want. You have to do what Jesus wants. And, and, and we hear all those messages, and, and that, I guess, is true. But I think it kind of misses the point. It's not, it's not, um, I, I, I I, I want my way, but I have to let Jesus. It's it's it. my way died. My way died. I'm not trying to get me to do what's right. I died. I I am no longer alive. I don't know how to I don't know how to get this across. I don't want to just keep repeating myself, but I think sometimes we've heard that so much. It's it's a cliche. It's a um, it's a a, a parable it's whatever but can i tell you the bible and, and we could go through a lot of scripture we could teach all this out but the bible teaches this is literal literally you your old man had to die so that the new person jesus christ could live through you <clears throat> so dead people can't minister i want you to get that dead people can't minister when I say minister, I mean anything we're doing in the church, any, anything you're doing in your Christian life. Dead people can't do that. And, and so when I try to get the dead Gary to do good things, when I try to get my flesh to submit to the laws of God, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And, and I hear a lot of you saying things, and, and we're all in this together, so, so I'm, I'm right there with you, okay? Uh, but I hear a lot of you saying, I'm trying so hard, and it's just, it's just so hard to get my flesh to not do bad things. But it's because your flesh can't help but do bad things. There's nothing good about it. But you're trying to get a dead person to do what's right. And, and, and guys, that's a losing battle. And that's why, and that's why we, we see in church so very often... You know, I can get you guys to 
um, I can get you guys to, to um, you can force yourself by willpower to not commit adultery, not to drink, not to cuss, not to lie, carry King James Version Bible and wear the right clothes. But in so many churches, hatefulness and pride and anger and talking about one another and everything else, those things just run rampant. But hey, we're not committing adultery. Praise God. Right? That doesn't make a good church. But here's the thing. The government could make you stop committing adultery. The government cannot make you love your neighbor. Do you see the difference? And that's kind of how church is. A preacher, we can make enough rules to make you do the big things, but we can't change who you are. And here's the thing. Dead people can quit committing adultery. Dead people can quit cussing. But dead people don't have the power to change who they are. Am I making any sense at all? I don't know if you guys are getting this at all. This is really powerful if we could get it, if we could get a hold of this. So it's exhausting. The flesh shows up. There's a lack of fruit. I intend to... To, to do some, we've already mentioned this multiple times, but we're getting ready to go into the busiest time of the year for Sand Hill Church. Amen? Right, Jamie? Getting, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing, right? Here's the thing, guys. I, I want you to get this. I, 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 I intend to, uh, um, before we start that craziness, I intend to get us all together and, 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 and do this thing right. But here's the thing. I don't care if you're working 85 hours a week for camp. When you get sinful, you need to stop. Go home, pray. Well, it has to be done. No, it doesn't have to be done. Not if we got a sin to do it. If you're going to be mad and hateful and mean and wicked, stop. You're not doing it for the Lord. You're doing it for yourself. And dead people cause a lot of problems. Now, wouldn't it be mind-blowing? I mean, I know all of our minds are, that are involved with camp, our minds are about to explode thinking that you know it might grow bigger than it was last year and everything else, and we already can't hardly get it all done and everything else. But what if we all said we're all dead and we're just going to need the Holy Spirit to put this camp on? And if it does... It'll all get done. How many of you think the Holy Spirit would have a hard time putting the camp on? How many of you think he would strain and get mad and grouchy? And, 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 but how many of you think the Holy Spirit could just make a perfect camp? When we get frustrated and get aggravated and get, get to the end of ourselves, it is because we're not doing it in the Spirit, we're doing it in the flesh. Now, now you guys are dead on me, but can, this ought to wake you up. I need a big amen. I need you guys to really engage. How many of you know that the flesh is ugly it's ugly i mean it's nasty ugly can i just say to all of you i've seen your flesh it's ugly i'm not talking about this right here i'm talking about what's inside of you that that mean ugly that's not what we're supposed to be having church with people we're supposed to have a church with the holy spirit taking this living sacrifice that is dead and living through me 
And that, that really changes everything that we do. And so whether we're, whatever ministry we're doing, wherever we're at, whatever's going on, uh, when the flesh starts showing up, we got to realize we left the Holy Spirit back there somewhere. We better go back and get him and, and start doing this in the Holy Spirit. Amen? I am dead. I surrender my body to the Spirit. If I really believe that Gary has no capacity to do right, and I really fully surrender my vessel to the Holy Spirit, and just say, Spirit, take over. Now, I don't know if that sounds charismatic to you. I don't know what that sounds like. I don't, you know, there's so many false teachings about Spirit and everything else, but, but that's really what the Bible's teaching. We're dead. We can't do good. We have to give ourselves, our bodies, to the Spirit, and the Spirit comes and takes over our bodies, and the Spirit makes us do good things. Has anybody ever had this experience? Uh, I, I, I don't know how to wake you guys up, uh, but has anybody ever had this experience? Because I do all the time, because I happen to know Gary's a rotten guy, okay? I happen to know that. But have you guys ever had this experience where I, I happen to, through these eyes that are, that, are, that are in my head, I happen to see Gary doing good things, and this is what I know. That ain't Gary, because <laughs> Gary's not like that. Right? He's being unselfish. That's not Gary. He's being generous. That's not Gary. He's being kind to someone he doesn't like. That's not Gary. See, I, I'm, I'm seeing the Spirit do things through me that I know Gary would never do. Gary is extremely selfish. He's extremely prideful. He's extremely a wants his way. And he's not real kind to a whole lot of people. So I got to take that guy and let the Holy Spirit change him to someone that loves everybody and is good to everybody. The people that are bad to him. I, 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 I mentioned David Crow here a few weeks back and I gave you guys a challenge about uh, not talking bad about anybody. Isn't that hard? Isn't that hard? We're just used to talking bad about people. And David Crow said, now you got to get it. This guy, this guy is literally like the Free Will Baptist over the, the United States, okay? Guys, guys got ministry all over. Hundreds and hundreds of people underneath him. Churches all over the place. Now, do you know this? If you travel to churches all over this country, Free Will Baptist churches all over this country, how many of you know you're going to run into some people that irritate you? How many of those are people going to do you wrong? How many know you're going to go to some place and you're going to think, what are they thinking? But he said, before he gets out of bed, he says, Lord, let me be gracious everybody I come in contact with today whether they're good or whether they're bad now I know David Crow and he's a great guy and and I, and I love him and, and I greatly respect him and look up to him and, and all of that but here's what I know and I think if he was sitting here today he would tell you the same thing he's a rotten person he's a rotten person <laughs> he can't do that without the spirit David Crow doesn't just by nature, he's just good to other people. David Crow by nature is just like all of us. He wants to be sinful, but he has to submit himself to the Spirit and say, today I'm letting the Spirit run my life, and everybody I treat today will be treated by the Holy Spirit and not by David Crow. Is anybody with me? Now I just want to ask this question. I think we're a phenomenal church, but would things change around here if we started doing that? I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about this church. Every person we see is controlled by the Holy Spirit because you are dead. 
That changes everything. See, me and Ray had this conversation on the way to church this morning. When you get your feelings hurt, do you know why you get your feelings hurt? Pride. And whether it is I wanted to do something and somebody else didn't like the idea, whether it is uh, um, I think we should do this and they didn't do it, whether it is I'm, uh, someone did something I don't approve of, whatever it is, th- there's hurt feelings there. And sometimes those are very ugly. Now, work with me, guys. How many of you know dead people don't have hurt feelings? You ever seen anybody in a coffin get offended? Have you ever seen a, a, you know, right in the middle of the funeral, he just sits up and says, man, that really hurt my feelings, right? Listen, dead people don't get their hurt feelings hurt. How many of you know the spirit uh, is different than that? And it talks about um, having our minds renewed and, 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 and uh, we're, we're to be coming in the image of Christ. Let me, let me just say this and then, and then I'll, try to, I'll try to bring this thing in. So much bad teaching on the Spirit. So much bad teaching. So much confusion on the Spirit. So many things that are said about the Spirit. And, and, it, and it, it really kind of angers me, all of the false teaching about the, about the Spirit. But, but, but let me see if this makes sense to anybody because it really makes a lot of sense to me. Jesus was here in a, in a, in a fleshly body. Amen? He was 100% man. Human. Human. Without sin, but, a human, but 100% human in the human body. Jesus was, was, was filled with God. God lived through Jesus and Jesus' flesh never had its way. It was always controlled by God. Is that right? Now, here's what I want to ask you. Here's what I like to ask all those crazies out there. How many of you think Jesus was weird? Isn't that what we've made the Holy Spirit to be? I mean, if you have the Holy Spirit, you've got to do all kinds of weird things, crazy, goofy, stupid things if you have the Spirit. See, I believe Jesus walked upon this earth. I believe he was normal. I believe he wasn't weird. He wasn't just doing crazy oddball things. But he did stand out because he was nice to everybody. The people who beat him and pulled out his beard and spit in his face prayed for him. The people that nailed him down, can you just imagine he's holding his arm out there, they're driving a a spike in his arm, and he says, I love you, man, I'm praying for you. Hope things go good for you. As the guy's driving a nail in his hand, that's that's how Jesus was. The Spirit controlled everything. He wasn't weird and and goofy and strange. And isn't it a turnoff to the world when we say, if you want to be a Christian, you got to be like this. And it's the most crazy thing. And then we say, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you got to be weird. I think we just need to act like Jesus. And here at Sand Hill, I, I really don't want a bunch of weird people. I just want a bunch of people to act like Jesus. That's really all I want. And I, and I think that would, would really change a, a lot of things for us. <clears throat> so we are dead and we are in Christ. So let's just try to put this into uh, in, into real uh, practice here real quick and see if, see if we can understand what I'm saying a little bit more. So, 
I get up tomorrow morning. A lot of you are, a lot of you are, or I hope a lot of you are, are doing the strategic uh, comprehension that we're doing, and we're reading our Bibles. And, and, and you know, and some of you maybe you're not doing that, but you're doing some other plan. But but I hope a lot of us are reading our Bibles. Does anybody know what there's a problem with that? Dead people can't get it. Dead people can't get this. I, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to make you mad. But I've heard, I've heard, I've heard a multitude of people in this church. You people sitting here tell me I cannot understand the Bible. It's because a dead person's reading it. But when the Holy Spirit reads it, the Holy Spirit understands it. Is anybody getting this? That really changes everything. Renee told me for years and years and years, she just about had me convinced, but she told me for years and years and years, she said, Gary, I don't understand. And she would read faithfully, and she would read it all of the time. And she said, I don't understand. I don't understand anything it says. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand it. But she does now. And, 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 and not, to, not to put Renee down, but I think she, the dead Renee was reading it for years, and now she's allowing the Holy Spirit to read it, and she understands it. Does that make sense to anybody? Listen, I've been reading this book for years. I've been reading it for years and years and years and years. If Gary sits down tomorrow morning and thinks, huh, I know what this says, I've read it before, I ain't going to get nothing. But if I humble myself down and don't think more of myself than I should and say, Lord... And that's what I've been doing of late. I've been saying, Lord, would you please help me to understand this? Would you please, like it's the first time, would you really open to, Holy Spirit, would you sit down here with me? And when the Holy Spirit comes and opens this up, wow, it's amazing. But a dead man can't do that. Do you see what we're talking about? It isn't what you do, it's what you understand. If you understand that you're, that you're uh, dead and that the Holy Spirit has to do it through you, that changes everything. If you're just going to try harder, so you're reading five chapters, why don't you read ten chapters? It ain't going to make you better. Until the Holy Spirit helps you understand it, you're just spending a lot of time. Check off your list, you read the book, but when the Holy Spirit begins, how many of you have ever sat there reading it and it was just like God himself came down, jumped off the page and jumped in your heart? I have many times. And it's like, oh my goodness, I've read that over and over and over, and it's like the first time I've ever seen it, because the Holy Spirit allowed me to see it. Does this make sense to you guys? So, we're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to be praying. I'm not going to ask, but I'm just guessing that there are some people here, including the pastor, who have got down many, many times, went through a prayer that, I, that we pray, didn't feel anything probably didn't do anything, went to sleep through it, our minds wandered, bored out of our mind. Do you know why that is? Dead people don't pray. Dead people can't pray. Dead people can't talk to God. But if the Holy Spirit comes inside of my dead body and prays through me, which is exactly what the Bible teaches, I can talk to God. And I can get a hold of God. And God can get a hold of me. And we can fellowship together in prayer because the Holy Spirit is connecting me to God, which is exactly what the Bible teaches. How many of you know, we, we go on and on, on all day with this. How many of you know that dead people don't worship? You guys are not capable of worshiping my God. So what we have to have is, and we say we want to have a spiritual service, but what we really got to have is we've got to have the Holy Spirit climb down inside of you 
And the Holy Spirit is going to be excited about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is going to make you, dead person, worship God. This making sense to anybody? Has anybody here ever had the experience that you just felt like there was something inside of you was about to explode and it just had to worship Jesus? I'm guessing that wasn't you. I'm guessing that was the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that dead people don't put on podcasts? How many of you know that dead people don't go out witnessing? How many of you know that dead people don't preach? We go on and on and on. Are you getting a picture? Guys, listen, everything we're called to do, we're not capable of doing it unless the Holy Spirit does it for us. If the Holy Spirit was to fill Gary, listen, I've been here long enough. You guys all know my, you guys know my weaknesses, my inadequacies. You you guys, I, I can't hide it from you guys. You guys know all the reasons I can't be your pastor and all the reasons I can't be a preacher. You guys know that. But by the way, I'm dead. Okay. I don't bring a whole lot to the table. And and by the way, if I was super, super talented and I could sing and had a great voice and was eloquent and smart and everything else, I still am dead and don't bring anything to the table. I'm just untalented enough to realize that, right? But, But my point is, I can't be a good preacher and I can't be a good pastor, but can the Holy Spirit take this dead person and do amazing things with them? And, and that's that's the point, guys. And for all of us, we went through the whole thing of gifts and, and, and callings. God can use every single person here in an amazing way if you just realize you're dead. If you have the faith to understand that, because if you're dead, then all you can say is, I just surrender everything to Jesus. And when we do that, He does it through us and great things can happen. And uh, the Bible tells us plainly, first chapter of Corinthians and 15th chapter of John and and multiple places in the Bible, the reason that that is, that no flesh will glory in His presence. It's all going to be about Him or it's not going to be at all. And God doesn't share His glory. He said, if you want to have a church that that is doing phenomenal things, It's not going to be flesh. It's going to be spirit. Do you guys get that? And if we we start working that way, so whatever your job is in the church, whatever your calling is, whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing in this church, I encourage you to do it. I encourage you before you do it to just stop and think, I can't do this. It's God or it's not going to get done. And I think that God could come into a group of people who recognize they are dead and could do amazing things through us. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. 
You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.